Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church Podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Jesus in this place. Thank you, worship team. Thank you for your dedication week in and week out to lead us in worship. How many all ready for the word of God today? We're not as much as shifting gears as much as we are delivering the truth of God through a different method. And we're going to be open up our Bibles. If you have your Bible, lift it up in the air. Let me see it. Come on. Your physical Bible, if you have one. If you have a digital Bible, lift it up in the air too. If you're going to be reading out of that, we're going to be opening up out of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. If you are um, reading with us, we're going to be reading out of the NIV. And I'm going to ask everyone, if you have seated, to, if you are able to stand to your feet in honor of the reading of the word of the Lord. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, hold up. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you some room. This is in the, the context of this message. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Jesus is teaching. Uh, it says, in front of thousands of people. If you don't like big churches, you wouldn't have liked Jesus' ministry. He said he was teaching in front of thousands of people. He was teaching them about persecution. He was teaching them about trials, how to endure it. And then during maybe a pause in his message, someone spoke up what was concerning his mind. Because how many of y'all know that I can come in here with a message to deliver, but many of you are coming in here with things on your mind. Like, there's things on your heart. Like, there's things, whether it be marriage, whether it be finances, whether it be difficulties in life, work, parenting, whatever it may be, I believe that as a communicator, I am yielding over to the Holy Spirit. And if you come here expecting to get a word from God for your circumstance, I believe that you will get it. How many of y'all believe that? If you have expectation, God will meet you right where you're at. And if you don't have any expectation, don't be surprised when God doesn't meet your expectation. If you do have expectation, know that God wants to exceed your expectation. Can I get an amen? So this man comes out out of nowhere, and he kind of interjects what is on his mind. He has his mind on his money, and his money is on his... Is that a song? Okay, all right. I don't know the song. I just... The phrase, like... So he, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus replied, man... Who appointed me judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in abundance of possessions. Notice that Jesus does not solve his problem. Can I tell you, you may come in here with all sorts of problems. Jesus does not always solve your problem. But he will for sure, especially if you ask, give you wisdom on how to navigate your problems. Do you believe that today? Jesus says, be on your guard against all different types of greed. Greed, greed is known as one of those the seven deadly sins and, and greedy for all sorts of things. Greed is just the intense desire for something, wealth, power, food, whatever it may be. And when we hear this passage, we may think, okay, Pastor Eli, like, that doesn't really apply to me. I'm not really greedy. I mean, I would say just for a moment, do you know what nation you live in to an extent? You live in America. America is the wealthiest nation in the world. If you are an av- on average income, you make 10 times more than the average person throughout the world. Right? So if you may not think that this doesn't really apply to you, that you're, you're not rich or you're not being entrusted with something, uh, you've got to compare yourself maybe to people that live in uh, El Salvador or uh, any, any impoverished nations that, that people are, are, are getting by uh, week to week. So you are blessed. Say, I'm blessed. You're blessed, but are you always hungry for more? 
right? Jesus says life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Can I tell you that all of your stuff is not your identity? And enough is not too little. Say enough is not too little. Jesus continues, verse 16, and he told them this parable. I love Jesus because he communicates in stories. And stories are good because it's easier for us to relate or disassociate depending on your background. He says, he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. A little light bulb appeared above his head, and he said, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be for whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Last week, we talked about uh, uh, having a biblical mindset when it came to money, not having a poverty mindset, not having a materialistic mindset, but having a biblical mindset. And I kind of equated these four weeks that we're going through Hack Your Finances as a vehicle. I don't know why I always say that. It's from some kind of movie. I call it a vehicle. And every vehicle needs, oh, it's Dane Cook. That's right. <laughs> I feel lonely up here, guys. No one's laughing with me, right? Uh, it's, uh, it, these four weeks are like wheels on a car, and, and you can drive on three wheels for a little bit, but how many know that God wants us to go to distance, right? Like he wants us to be able to, to go through life uh, all the way to the end. And so we need four different wheels. And so look at this as a vehicle. Last, last week we had one wheel, which was a biblical mindset. Uh, this week we're talking about biblical stewardship, so we got to have our mind transformed on how does God look at money? How do we look at money? But now if God has given it to us, how many of you know that we have to steward it properly, right? Like if God has given us something, especially if God has entrusted it to us, we need to know how to steward it properly. And if we think it's too little, then I would question that you think God is too small because the very fact that he has entrusted it to you means that it is significant, so let's dive into that today. We'll pray and we'll get underway. Lord, we thank you for your word. We pray that you'd speak through your servant today. God, we yield this to you. All of our resources, our finances, Lord, we know they're yours. So we give them to you. Speak through your servant today. And right now, church, if you're hungry for the word of God and God to speak to you, would you open up your hands with fullness of heart and conviction? Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for the word of God today. It is a great day. You can be seated. You can be seated, and as we dive into finances, I want to attack the notion, really, attack is probably the perfect word to describe, that the church isn't after your money. God is not after your money. Don't believe that lie. That's a plan of the devil, and there have been churches that have misused money and resources. What I say as a, as a generous giver in the house of God, I've tithed since I was 16. I tithe even as a lead pastor. I give the vision builders since I was younger in high school and above and beyond giving, and I continue to give in vision builders even as pastor of this church. I know that what I give is my gift to God. What the church does with it is their responsibility, and they'll be, they will be held accountable to God on how they stewarded what God had entrusted to them, just like you'll be held accountable to what God has entrusted to you. And what I say is that God isn't after your money. Church isn't after money. God is after your heart. Bible says that where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And if you never actually put your heart financially into the Lord, can I tell you, God probably doesn't really have your heart. He just has a part of you, but not all of you. So I encourage you, if you haven't started tithing yet, go through Hack Your Finances. It'll teach the biblical foundation of tithing and why we give generously above and beyond. We're going to be talking about that a lot next week. So God's not after your money. He's after your heart. And so there's two things that we got to understand when it comes to biblical stewardship. Number one, that, if, that everything that we own belongs to God. Say everything. Everything belongs to God. Psalm 24, Psalm 24, 1 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Therefore, if everything belongs to God, we're not owners. We are stewards. And if we are stewards, we are called to steward it wisely. You cannot steward something properly if you are constantly after more. If you're always wanting more, hard to steward what you have. If you're always ungrateful for what you don't have and constantly after something you don't have, you tend to take for granted what you do and you do not steward it properly. So we got to learn from God's word on how we put God in his proper order. And I have to learn from God's word of what that means to steward God's stuff. So it's about stewardship. Say stewardship. The Bible says to seek first his kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Why? Because when you put God's stuff in proper order, your life will stop feeling out of order. We're called to make our priorities align with his priorities. And in order to do this, it takes revelation, discipline, and focus. Again, hack your finances. It's five classes. It's a free course that our church is offering to you, and you're going to be able to get access. As long as you're a part of this church, you get free access to this course. If you didn't get signed up last week, stop by the Connect Corner. They'll give you a QR code. They also have a QR code they can throw up in the back here. I don't know if it'll scan, though, with the, with the mic there or, or anything like that. If you can't get it, you'll be able to um, use the QR code. Who wants to get signed up right now? Raise your hand. All right. I'm, I'm going to poke you in the eye, so it, it's, I don't know where it's going. Oh, oh, all right, all right, all right. Nick got it. All right, so that's fine. All right, stop by the Connect Corner. You'll be able to get one. They'll, they'll be able to have, that's a black tent right, right outside, right? All right, so we're called to align our priorities with his priorities. And in order to be a proper steward of what God has entrusted to us, how many know that we have to actually know the condition of what has been entrusted to us? You got to know what's in your bank account. I mean, I'll check your bank account like on a regular basis. It's like, yeah, how much is, is that? Get that miracle check, that miracle deposit yet? I don't know yet, right? Proverbs 27, 23 says, be sure to know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. That's what it means to be a wise steward. You got to know what you got, right? This is, I'm going I'm to use a word to many might be considered a cuss word in, in church or in life. To, in order to be a proper steward, you got to learn how to have a budget, a budget. So we're going to talk just a little bit briefly about a budget. Why budget? Because if you don't tell your money where to go, your money will tell you where you cannot go. If you don't tell your money where to go, it will leave before you even had a chance to say hello. A budget. That's why it's important that you get signed up. Hack Your Finances has some great resources that you can get. It will equip you to have a Bible-based knowledge that will help you transform your finances and enable you to live an abundant and generous life. All right, so a budget. A budget should be planned out 12 months in advance. Not a monthly budget, but a yearly budget. Why 12 months? Because you got yearly expenses. Your car registration is a yearly expense. Your house taxes, a yearly expense. And depending on how you do your home insurance or car insurance, that's a big premium. It's a yearly expense. Hate to break it to you. 
The devil is not attacking you when you have three big expenses that are yearly come in the same week. It is really, sadly to break it to you, your lack of foresight. And so we're called to set, set money aside in advance for upcoming bills so you won't have to have a spending freeze in your life. So you got to calculate your projected income. How much am I bringing in? First outgoing from when I get a paycheck is the tithe. That's how it's been since I was a little kid, ever since I started making money. I tithe that first 10%. I return it back to God. I do not give it back to God. I return it because I understand that everything I have been given is the Lord's and the Lord's thereof. Therefore, I am not giving what belongs to him. So actually giving in generosity is above the tithe. It's the law of first. Returning a tenth of God, we'll talk about this um, next week. But for those that, there's some things going around today about the tithe. And I just want to submit to you today, especially some people say, well, tithing's Old Testament and it's not really for the New Testament church. Tithing is kingdom culture before it is ever Old Testament, New Testament. This is why. Abraham tithed to Melchizedek. That was before the law. Right? Jacob tithed to the Lord. That was before the law. Because a tithe is a response that everything is the Lord's. It all belongs to him. And I'm returning a tenth back to him because he has so graciously given me and entrusted me with something. The least I can do is return a tenth back to him. It is kingdom more than it is law. Right? So when you get a revelation, this tithing is absolutely biblical. Tithing is absolutely, actually the minimum on what we give Back to God. Although I'm not diving into that, be sure to come back next week because I'm going to be giving you a lot of godly principles. I got a message burning in my bones for next week, and God did not permit me to be able to share it with you today. So be sure to, to come back next week for part three of Hack Your Finances. Not saying that we're done yet here, but we're going to continue. All right, so we're talking about budget, right? Okay, here's a great rule that you need to abide by. Uh, the 70-30 principle, where you live off of 70%, you tithe 10%, you give above and beyond to something, somewhere, another 10%. That, that just enables you to be generous. Like, some of the major companies understand generosity, but we don't as a church at times, right? Like, so huge companies are donating money because they understand the, the idea of reaping and sowing, right? Because it's a kingdom principle. It's going to fall on the just and the unjust because it's a kingdom principle. So 70% you live on, 10% tithe, 10% generosity. And then another 10% is like investment. Like I'm, I'm returning it so I can get a greater return later. Maybe a retirement, some kind of uh, account that I'm putting into. And if you line up all these numbers and by the end of the day, it doesn't line up. You've got two options. You can either increase your income or you can decrease your spending. It's that simple. Increase your income or decrease your spending you got to be able to do it to a point where you get enough margin so that you can live on a mission. So that any moment, God can ask you to abound in every good work. And it's not like I'm going to have to sell my house because I live with margin. I'm living with margin. Now, if your income increases, that doesn't mean that you get nicer cars, a nicer apartment, or nicer clothes. Because when that happens, you actually never get ahead. You're still in the same situation. You just have more expensive stuff. Right? So being a good steward is about living below your means. Can I tell you that we're not here to copy American culture about consumerism, about just getting more. We are here to copy the kingdom. And sadly, though, many of us fall into the trap because our ambition grows faster than our satisfaction. Okay, here's some things that you can do with your budget. Uh, if you're married in here, pray into your finances with your spouse. 
like bring God into the conversation. And what I can tell you is that he will give you wisdom to navigate. Another point about budget is to avoid debt at all cost. Avoid going into debt for anything that will depreciate in value, can be consumed or experienced. I know you really believe that you need that vacation to, to Paris and you need to be able to put away the money. Do not go into debt for that vacation. That is not being a wise steward. Now, if I was in that conversation, I'd say maybe don't consider going to Paris, Rome. Maybe you considered Paris, Texas. If you can't afford Paris, Rome, like I'm not saying not to go on vacation. I'm not saying not to take time off. I'm saying don't go into debt for anything that will depreciate, be consumed, or experienced. It's not wise financial stewardship. My wife and I, we had paid off our house before I became lead pastor. We did this because we believed that we were called to be wise financial stewards of what God had given us. And I believe because we were wise financial stewards, that it actually positioned us in a way to be a blessing, not just continue to receive. And I believe that put us in a position that we could say yes to this position specifically to be able to minister to you today. And I want to say is that when we fail to steward what we have today, I'm not saying you need to pay off your house. I'm not saying that. We had a conviction to pay off our house. Some financial advisors say it's stupid to pay off your house and you leverage the interest that you have. That's a deeper story. I'm not a financial advisor. Disclaimer. But if God has asked you, you've got to be obedient because you don't know what he's preparing you for. And he does not want your mindset of lack or your lack of stewardship to hinder you from being able to walk in the calling that he has for you. So when he says you don't need the new car, believe me, you don't need the new car. Not for my benefit. You're not listening to a pastor here. If God is saying that, he's got better plans in store for you because his plans are great for your life. Right? So can you make do with the house you got? I don't know. Ask the Lord. And if he says you can, guess what? You absolutely can. You don't need a newer, bigger, better house. Right? Okay. Why? Because we've got to live within margin. Okay? The Bible says you're not just making money for yourself. A biblical approach to wise financial stewardship is actually generational. God was generational. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can I tell you, he calls you also to be generational. Proverbs 13.22 says, A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. So you're looking at your kids, or if you're grandparents, you're looking at your grandkids, and you're thinking, how am I leaving something aside for them? Many people just think one generation. How can I leave stuff in for my kids? I want to challenge you to think biblically. Think three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Think, how can I store stuff up for my kids' kids, right? Like, how many of y'all believe that we are called to be blessed enough that we can actually do that? Do you believe that? Okay, if you don't believe that, you got to come next week. I'm telling you, God is going to impart a word into your life about prosperity and how he wants to bless his children. It's, it's going to be a phenomenal message. So continuing talking about stewardship, Luke 12, 17. We're going back to our, our, our verse. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my stuff. Do you catch it here? Whose stuff is it? All right, let's retract that. My stuff. Whose stuff is it? My. It's my stuff. Is it your stuff? Or is it stuff that God's entrusted you with? Do you see the, the stewardship principle that he's lacking here? He is not looking at it as God's stuff. 
he's looking at it as my stuff. It's a very short life when you're just consumed with you. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, self, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? I'm going to tell you to be careful when you're only thinking about yourself. And what you can get, eat, drink, and be merry, it's the foundation of hedonism. It's a philosophy that says the ethical theory that pleasure in the sense of satisfaction or desires is the highest good and proper aim of human life. It says that I can do whatever I want with my life. If I continue to consume, I will be happy. And I tell you that consumerism does not lead to contentment. You keep getting, but you're never satisfied with what you got because what you get was never meant to satisfy. Can I tell you that true satisfaction does not come in the accumulation of blessings. It doesn't come in the accumulation of possessions, but it actually comes in the distribution of those blessings and possessions. What God has given you, as you continue to lend freely, your world will grow larger and larger. Jesus almost echoes what Ecclesiastes 2.18 when he says, who's going to get your land after you pass away? Solomon, who was one of the richest men alive and the wisest men who ever lived, said, I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. Some of us are living in houses that people before us bought and they're no longer on this earth. And I tell you that there will be a come a time when what you purchased you will not be able to enjoy anymore. Now, maybe your kids' kids will be able to enjoy them, and we pray that that is the case. But to be able to live with an eternal perspective that the things will fade away, rust will destroy, moths will, will destroy, these will break in and steal, right? But to be able to sow into something that is eternal, I know that there is going to be one day when all of us are in heaven, and we're going to be welcomed in with thunderous applause because of the amount of people that have were saved and encountered the Lord because of your generosity, can I tell you that you're sitting in a seat because someone before you was generous enough to be able to make room for you? Right now, we are walking in the seeds that were sown over six years ago. As a church, you have encountered God because someone said, you know what? I'm going to be able to give to that church so that other people's lives can be changed. And if your life has been changed by the message of the gospel, it is our response, our natural response to be able to sow into that for future generations. There are kids right now across this hall that are future kingdom shakers, world changers because of your generosity. And I can't help, but many of us take that for granted because we're considerably, continually thinking about what's in it for me. But if we change our mindset and say, it's not about what's in it for me, but it's about what I can do for others, I can tell you, that's actually where we find true life. Many of us fall error to this idea, though, of consumerism. This consumerism of what's in it for me, it plagues the church at times. We think of, what am I going to get out of this message? Now, it's important for you to have expectation. I have expectation that I'm going to get something from God. But more than that, I have expectation that God is going to use me. I have expectation that I'm going to have encounters and moments with people 
to be able to pray with them, to be able to talk with them, that had they not come to church and had a word that the Holy Spirit imparted through me to them, that their life is going to be changed. I have that expectation. And I think when I have that expectation to be able to give, that's actually when I truly receive. And I want to say this idea of consumerism has very little place in the church. Yes, Jesus came and he gave you life. He gave you life to the fullest. And then he says, your reasonable act of worship is to offer yourself as a living sacrifice. So this idea that it's in it for me and it's all about me is actually a level of consumerism. It affects every part of our life. It's not only infiltrated our understanding and, and frankly, our application of church and, and to walk with Christ, but it's also essentially a religion in and of itself. And as we look at all the metrics that are supporting church culture today, it could easily be considered the most successful religion in the history of humankind. The goal of consumerism is to create an artificial demand for, for the goods and services that we actually don't really need and probably didn't even know existed. Consumerism is so much more than a strategy of advertising. Can I tell you, consumerism is a worldview that fundamentally alters the way we approach our bodies, our relationships, our mental health, and Christianity. Our lives become consumed with the idea that unless somehow we experience everything, travel everywhere, see everything, and are a part of a large number of people's experiences, then our lives are small and meaningless. It's an economic system that thrives on our lack of self-control and preys on our insecurities. We give in to commercials, TV shows that say you need a bigger, better house, social media accounts, and we give them permission to show us discontentment and to sow into us discontentment in our personal lives, and it shapes our desires for something better. When we talk about fake diamond rings, engagement rings to home ownership, there's nothing wrong with having those things. It's when we find our identity in those is where we fall in error. We've been led to believe as a culture that bigger is better by corporations and financial institutions that profit from that very belief. Our religious and national holidays have become excuses to shop for products. Products like cars and smartphones are purposely, purposely designed to make us yearn for the newer model. In fact, one of the fastest growing real estate markets in the U.S., you know what it is? Storage units. I need more space to store my stuff. Can I tell you, you live in the United States, and if we are not on guard against many types of greeds, we will fall victim to consumerism. Joe Terrell said this in an article. He said, consumerism is a religion. Our temples, our malls, and digital storefronts, our altars, our checkout counters, and online baskets. Our priests, our advertising agencies, our sacrifices are the dollars in our checking accounts. And God is our unmet desires. And Jesus says this that speaks so truly to us today. He says, your life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. God just said to him, he said, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? And I tell you, life is not about what we can get for our own pleasures, although God does give us things for our enjoyment. 
God isn't against these things. But is that our sole purpose? Eat, drink, and be merry? Can I tell you, God was living on a mission. Do we have our money on a mission? Because one day, this life will end, and all of the things we have accumulated, we won't be able to take with us. Where this man fell in error that Jesus was talking about in this parable was that an increase was happening, but God was not considered. When you have an increase, do you consider God? He says, not rich towards God. It doesn't mean it wasn't about giving. It's like, were you even considering God? What comes to your mind when an increase comes your way? The Bible says, he who has been given much, much is required. And I can't help but think that requirement is our stewardship. Can I implore you today that you have been entrusted with much? The very fact that God has entrusted it to you means that it is significant. I'm not saying, well, once I make six figures, then it's significant. Because then your mind will change, well, once I make seven figures, it's significant. That doesn't work, that there's a big error in that reasoning. But when you look at what you have, $20,000 a year, I was making $8,000 a year as a high school student. I was still tithing off of that. I was, I was tithing to my church, and you know where my generosity went? Caleb. They got me. <laughs> no, it was actually, I listened to it because I had an analog radio with a cassette tape and I couldn't plug in my phone, so I was listening to the radio most of the time and I was encountering God through their ministry and their ministry blessed me, so the least I could do was to give back to it. That was not my tithe. It was my giving, my generosity, my above and beyond. Do you give to places that bless you? Can I tell you, the church is where your tithe goes. Generosity you can choose to make that in this house. We are called to be generous people throughout the world. Let's not make it 10%. As you grow in that, I look at God, gets it through you. He can certainly get it to you some more because he desires that you would abound in every good work. Why? Because we're not blessed by God to hoard our wealth to ourselves. We are blessed to be a blessing in the lives of others. And we're blessed to build the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that if our riches increase, we're not to set our hearts upon them. Psalm 62 said, 10, 62 10 says, do not trust in extortion or put vain hope in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them, but to give it freely. You want your world to grow? You got to live with open hands. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. Some of you may know this translation through the message version that says, the, gener the world of the generous grows larger and larger. Uh, this is the NIV translation, the one I prefer. <laughs> out of it. So to give freely, you gain even more. And so finally, when the Bible talks about how we honor God with the first fruits, in Proverbs 3, 9, this is how we steward. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. The Lord says that God brings wealth to the righteous and adds no sorrow to it. This man was not righteous with his wealth, and sorrow quickly followed. I believe that as we are generous, 
the Lord will bring prosperity to your life and no sorrow with it. Would you stand to your feet today? All right, so we talked about biblical stewardship. You've been entrusted with something. We know that it's God's, and if it's God's, how many know that we got to steward it properly? Amen, right? You agree with that? So let me give you some, some two tips. I gave you a budget. It's just a real short overview budget. And I encourage you guys, don't let that free resource go to waste. Hack your finances. You want something to change? Guess what? You got to change. Quit doing the same thing and expect a different result and then blame God for not blessing you. You're a poor financial steward. Those are some harsh words, but we cannot expect not to grow in these things. God says if you're faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. Many of us think, well, that's, that's talking about kingdom, and yeah, to an extent. But I know that he gave one talent, two talents, and five talents. The one with one talent considered it not very much, but the very fact that God gave it to him meant that it was significant. He didn't manage it properly. It was taken from him. So what if you're the one with five talents, and you're thinking you're the one with one? Let's change that mindset. Worldly, we are the one with five talents. So let's start stewarding it properly. So check out that free resource. It's five courses. Not only do you get access to that for free, but as they continue to develop more modules, you get access to those as well just by getting signed up over the next few weeks. Right? So as a church, let's be growers. Let's not just be feed me, feed me, feed me, but let's be self-feeders. Right? Let's actually practically try to grow, try to change, try to be wise stewards tell our money where to go, because if we don't tell our money where to go, it'll tell us where we cannot go. If we don't tell our money where to go, it'll leave before we even have a chance to say hello. I thought that was clever. I came up with it. Sounds like. All right, so here's two things that we can do to be a good steward. Are you ready? Practice gratitude. What are you thankful for? Many times people take for granted this country because they've never had a heart of gratitude for where they live. And I tell you, you can freely worship here today because people were willing to give up their lives and pay the ultimate price so that you could have freedom. One of the, one of the things we can be thankful for is for all of our veterans. That's why we have a day to celebrate them. And that's what we wanna do. If we don't wanna take America for granted, we got to be able to thank for the people. Some pay the ultimate price, but some were willing to pay the ultimate price. And for that, we can give gratitude. So if you've been in this place and, and you've served in our military as a veteran, I want you to raise up your hand because we want to celebrate you. Thank you for your service. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your service. 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 And I don't mean that lightly because you said yes, and I don't care if you're in, in HR, in the Navy, we got a member in our church that's in the HR for the Navy. You are willing to give your life. If you're willing to give your life, you got gratitude here. So thank you for all the men and women that have gone above and beyond to be able to protect us and keep us safe. Can we put our hands together one more time? Not just for the people in our church, but throughout this nation.
And you see, what that does is that shifts in your heart, right? Like you have a level of gratitude. Before you leave today, you want to know how you can get a, a heart for God's people? Thank them for being in your life. You don't take it for granted. As you're leaving today, go to the parking attendant, the parking team, and say, hey, thank you for serving. Not only will that mean so much to them, but it actually unlocks and sets you free from things in here. It keeps you from walking in bitterness. We, we, we think our worship team, right? And I'm very purposeful on that because if in my heart, these guys and girls are pouring out each and every single week learning new songs, learning old songs again to be able to bless you and to bless the Lord. So for that, I can say thank you. We're moving into a time of thankfulness and thanksgiving. It's 10 days away, 12 to 11 days away. Oh, man, turkey is way better than ham. Yes. <laughs> and we go from thanksgiving to Christmas, which if the devil gets a hold of it, Christmas is about getting. Consumerism tries to sneak back in. But if we just took a moment, wait, the reason for this season, right, it was that Jesus came okay, to give his life, right? So if we look at it as thanksgiving, and true thanksgiving does not lead to consumerism, it actually leads to generosity. So you take your spouse for granted, start thanking them. Husbands, thank your wife for everything that she has done. And all my women in here, wives in here said, amen. Man, you guys missed it again. I set you up on a tee to say, go ahead, knock that out. And you swung and missed. That's right. Guys, love your wives. Be, have a gratitude heart towards them, right? Watch. Okay. Your woman doesn't have your heart? Start spending some things on her. Spending some money on her. Watch how your heart starts to gravitate towards her, right? Like, so thank your, thank God for your kids. If you look at them as a hindrance, guess what they're going to be? Guess what they're going to take on? I'm a burden. And if you feel like you're a burden, can I tell you, you're not a burden. You're not a burden to people. But if we continue to go to our kids and think they're holding me back, they will feel that even if you never say it. But if you say, thank you for the joy that you have given me, man, the release that that gives you and them. Thank God that even if your life isn't perfect, that he's still with you. You've got to be grateful. Can I tell you and ask you the question, how much do you need to be thankful all right, so practice gratitude. And then last one, practice generosity. He said, I will make bigger storehouses. The only storehouse I know is located in Malachi chapter 3, where he says, bring all this tithe into the storehouse and see if I will not overflow you with blessing. I believe that as we are rich towards God, that is how we can be a good steward first to fight greed in our lives by practicing gratefulness 
and generosity. This is the second wheel of Hack Your Finances, stewardship. So can I pray over you today? We'll go back into worship. And I actually want to create a moment for, for you in this place. If you desire for the Holy Spirit to help you to be a wise financial steward, would you lift up your hand so I can pray with you today? Holy Spirit, you see these hands, you see these commitments before you. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Don't put them down. Right? You're lifting them to God, not to me. So Heavenly Father, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would bring conviction where there is ignorance, that you would help us to be wise, heavenly financial stewards of the income that you have allocated towards us. Many I see that there is a, a wall blocking great vats of overflowing blessing. And he's just saying, hey, I have things for you, but I'm looking for you to, to be faithful with the things I've given you. And so, God, we pray that you would help us not to, to miss opportunities that you've given us because we haven't been faithful with what we may deem as little, but you deem as so significant. So, Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you would come upon us, that you would strengthen us, God, to be wise, biblical, financial stewards. Help us not to take it for granted, God, but help us to seize it to the best of its ability. If it's tithing, God, give us courage to tithe. If it's living generously, God, give us strength to be able to be generous, God. Help us to be wise stewards and, and not always fall victim to the consumerism, the hedonism mindset, eat, drink, and be merry, that it's just about me and what I can accumulate. God, help us to be rich towards you. Why? Because we don't entrust in our dollar as even the dollar says, in God we trust. Lord, so I pray that you would help us not to put our trust in Benjamin Franklin, God, but in Jesus Christ, who richly provides that we may abound in every good work. Lord, we thank you for the extraordinary blessing that you poured out upon our lives. And we pray that you would help us steward them by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.